This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Let me make something very clear as we begin today. Christianity is a thinking man's religion. I use that word religion not in the context that we do anything to earn heaven. Our Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ, but even the scripture uses the word religion and talks about true religion. So maybe I should reword it, true religion belongs to those who are willing to think. You know, in Christianity, there's no such thing as blind faith. When we trust God, we are trusting one who has revealed himself to us. And when we step out by faith, we're stepping on solid rock. One of the ways that I know Christianity is true is the fact that God created a world that declares his glory. Everything in it declares his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech or language where his voice is not heard. Evolution does require blind faith because they want you to believe that something happened billions of years ago that nobody saw, but this is the way it is. No, the reality is there's a creator God who made everything that we see, but it goes deeper than that. He made those things to reveal himself. In fact, he created those things so as he's revealing himself to man and who Jesus is, he even takes those things out of nature that he created so that we can start connecting the dots, putting things together and see how awesome our God is. Evolution doesn't do that. Now, there are many amazing things about God's creation. <laughs> things that he put on this planet. When was the last time you stopped and considered the tree? You say, I've considered the tree. I just finished raking up the leaves. All right. Now, I'm not, that's a downside, though they sure are pretty before they fall, right? But many of us just decorated a tree for Christmas. Look around you this morning and consider how many things we utilize are made from wood. You're sitting on it. You probably ate from the fruit of a tree this week. Isn't that amazing? Much of your comfort at home and the beauty you enjoy as you look out your windows are the results of trees. And did I mention how they continue to contribute to the air we breathe? Got to have air. And yet man has found another use for trees that takes our minds completely in a different direction. 
Trees have been used to cause justice to be served. How many of us know what hanging is? And what's the closest thing you want to find if you think somebody needs to be strung up? A tree. Did you know that God actually intended for trees to be used that way? Now I've got your attention. You're, you're kidding, right? No, no, no. The Bible says it. But what God says ultimately points to something else made from a tree, and it's a cross. Deuteronomy 21, 22. I'll just give it to you. You're in Philippians. Stay there. But here's what God said, speaking to Moses and giving his law. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and thou shalt hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged on a tree is accursed. Literally, the Hebrew there is, he is demonstrating the curse of God. That thy land may not be defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. Now, how do we know that part of the meaning here is that someone who has been justly hanged. I'm not suggesting that every hanging was right. But that someone who is justly hanged for a crime is cursed of God. How do we know that? Now that's Old Testament, but listen to Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written. Where was it written? Deuteronomy 21. It is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Have you ever thought about the fact that when God created trees, with all that benefit, and oh, by the way, he put a tree in the garden. And he said, show your love to me and your trust in me. Don't eat of that tree. Now, he put a lot of other trees in the garden too, didn't he? But he said, don't eat of that one. The day you eat of that, you will surely die. And Adam and Eve decided, no, we're smarter than God. And they ate. But in light of Galatians 3.13, the theme verse for our message this morning is put in a new light. Philippians 2, would you look at verse 8? We're told to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, and that means to be he is the very form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? He's God. But he made himself of no reputation, set aside the free exercise of his deity, and then we read this in verse 8, being found in fashion, again, just like a man. He's man. 
He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that's that last phrase I want us to focus on. There are a lot of ways that an individual can die. But God chose for the Son and then for us even the death of the cross. Now, What is meant by that should jolt us. Why? We need to consider that the one who existed in the form of God at the beginning with God, he was already God submitted to the lowest state of any condemned man. Jesus willingly went to a cross made of wood for you and for me. I like what uh, Archibald Robertson said in his word pictures. He, he noted this. A cross was the bottom rung in the ladder from the throne of God. Jesus came all the way down to the most despised death of all, a condemned criminal on an accursed tree. As we come to the Lord's table and worship today, we need to consider that everything he did for us there, including being cursed by his father, was a choice he made where he willingly obeyed his father. It's what he wanted to do, though he knew it would be despised and be the curse of God. And so what Jesus did was, in fact, obedience to God's curse. And that's the title of our message today. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus obeyed the father to be cursed by his father? I'll confess to you as I prepared for this message, there were just times that I had to pause and go. This is unbelievable. Why is, it, why is it so hard to comprehend? Because he did it for me and for you. Why? Love? Oh, what love? So when Jesus said yes to the Father's will, he already knew completely what was involved, didn't he? He's all-knowing. Uh, I have to chuckle. I, I've sat in dentist chairs. And the dentist will say, now this is going to hurt. Well, he doesn't know how much it's going to hurt. And until it happens, I really don't know how much it's going to hurt. I've been in emergency rooms with kids, my kids, all right. And, uh, you know, it's now just a little poke. I don't believe in little pokes, okay? Uh, you, you can say that, but when I get poked, I've never had a little poke, okay? And I'm glad it's when it's over with. But God didn't give us the knowledge to really know how much it's going to hurt, and, and all, he, he just didn't, right? And, and that's good. But have you ever considered the, the fact that when Jesus came here, he already knew the humiliation of being Becoming a man, what we just celebrated, Christmas. And he knew completely what was going to happen over those hours when he gave his life for us on a cross. He knew it all. 
which helps to explain why, and it is an actual physical phenomenon, that the, the anxiety, the pressure of that, Jesus actually sweated blood. He knew what would be involved with going to the cross. And I want to look quickly at three areas that are part of what he endured. First of all, uh, under this curse, but, but we're, st we're, we're backing up and taking a broader look, uh, was the suffering of the cross. Hold your place. Would you go to Matthew's Gospel? I invite you to Matthew 27. This is Matthew's account, and it's, some Bible scholars have said, the most descriptive account in all the Gospels of what happened at the cross. What is amazing about Matthew's account is he has taken the entire Gospel to represent Jesus as King of Kings. But now we get to watch a king hang on a cross. And oh, by the way, a governor representing another king actually put a sign above his head to mock him, king of the Jews, but what Pilate didn't realize is that sign was absolutely true. It was true, it was right, okay? Now, the gospel writers are all reserved in what they say about the crucifixion of our Lord. And that is from the Holy Spirit, but that's also a good thing. All of them had probably witnessed a crucifixion. The Romans did it regularly and in public places. Now, Besides the fact that what happened there is really indescribable, no reader in the first century needed a description of what went on when an individual was crucified. The Latin word for cross, crux, C-R-U-X, means torment. Now stay with me. Its verb form is the word where we get uh, our English word torture. Consider this. When we use the English word excruciate, do you know what is in the middle of excruciate? I'm in excruciating pain. You know what's in the middle of that? C-R-U-C. Crux. That's the etymology of the word. Crucifixion was designed by sinister minds to make death as long and agonizing as possible. Imagine being thrown down on a cross and realizing that your final hours and perhaps days would be spent literally nailed to a piece of wood. Now you're in Matthew 27. Would you look with me at verse 24? Nothing about this message is meant to be sensational. It's meant to be a reality check. Because somebody died for me and for you. The Son of God. Look at verse 24. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this. What kind of person? Yeah, just person. See ye to it. 
Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, cat of nine tails, literally shredded his back, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head uh, and a reed in his hand and they bowed the knee to him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Can I just pause here? Do you know there's another time in the future when all of those soldiers are going to bow before King Jesus. And they're going to mean it then. And they spit on him and took the reed and smote him on the head. They drove it into his head, that crown. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off of him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man uh, of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. All right, and so let's move forward now. Verse 35, they crucified him, parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they did cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there. Now there's a whole lot of detail that's gotten skipped. They laid him on that cross, he didn't fight him, and they took nails and they nailed him there. This is after they had already abused him to where the scripture tells us in another place you couldn't tell he was a man. Now, great suffering. If you care to, you can go online, and I did some more study this week uh, they actually, you can go online and you can see uh, skeletons that they have discovered in the old Roman world that still, of those who were crucified, they still have the nails through the joints where they put them. And it's just awful. It's just awful to consider what Jesus went through for us. There was great suffering, but along with the suffering on the cross, there was a second part that the Lord endured, and that was the shame of the cross. There was no death as shameful for a man or woman than crucifixion. It was so shameful that a Roman citizen was seldom crucified. Now Josephus, others talk about the fact that there were women that were uh, crucified uh, and there were also some Roman citizens but it was so shameful that it hardly happened to a Roman citizen. The Romans always did it in a public place for public shame. That's why here in chapter uh, 27 you see this in 39, verse 39, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads. What do you mean pass by? They were on the road. And we know that where Jesus was crucified, there was a road that went around the west side of Jerusalem and then right down the central mountain spine heading north up to Samaria and Galilee. And so they're passing by and there's already a crowd there jeering these who were on the cross. And as people were passing by, some not even knowing what was happening, 
They just figured these, these guys deserved it, and so they laugh and mock and point too. A person was stripped of their clothing and their dignity. They were taunted in every way imaginable. And the excruciating pain caused them to be vulnerable in every way. I think we'd have to agree there is hardly a death more brutal than what is described in the scriptures with crucifixion. I have wondered if the thieves on either side of Jesus joined in the mockery, and this is sanctified speculation, if they joined in in part to turn the shameful gazes away from themselves. Don't look at me, look at him. However, for our Lord, I believe the worst part of the cross, and I think we can see this from the scripture, the worst part of the cross was the curse of the cross. And with this, we'll, we'll conclude this morning and then go to the celebration of the Lord's table and our worship there. Jesus was made a curse for us, though he knew no sin. The awfulness of his death is magnified when we consider that crucifixion was God's choice for his son. Now, did God come up with crucifixion? No. That was the wretched heart of men. But in his foreknowledge, his omniscience, he knew what they would do to his son. And all of this was part of his plan. Going back again to those references to the curse of anyone hanging on a tree. But this was not only God's choice, it was a choice that Jesus willingly accepted. Now let me just pause here for a moment. As Christians living in 2023... We are way too quick to please our flesh and ourselves. And in light of what we're looking at, it takes on great meaning when we realize that Jesus said, all right, if you're going to be my disciple and follow me, here's the reality. You're going to have to deny yourself and take up your... I think if we would just meditate on that and say yes to our God, it'd change our lives. But we stop short from complete obedience many times because, well, pastor, it's just hard. Yeah, but somebody went to a cross for you, for me. That whole living sacrifice, it's a cross. And what came with the choice that Jesus made in obedience to his father? The, the, what came from that is a curse. And the curse really had two parts. So again, stay with me. Be a thinking Christian this morning. The first part, any sinner was under the curse of death. How do we know? Galatians 3 and verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. We were all born under the law of God. We are responsible to that law. Can any of us keep it? 
Nope. The Ten Commandments. You start listing those and already guilt begins to come in because have any of us ever borne false witness? Yeah. Um, have we ever worshipped anything other than God? Certainly have, etc., etc., etc. All right, so we were born responsible for that law, but because we can't keep that law, we're under the curse. And what is the curse? The wages of sin is death. And so, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians 3.10. But here's what's amazing. Jesus did continue perfectly under the things written in Moses' law. He fulfilled it completely. Oh, they accused him of violating it, but what they were accusing him of is violating their commentary on the law, not the law. It was their rules. It wasn't God's rules. He was keeping God's rules. So how did he come under the curse? Well, the answer is that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. And so look now at Galatians 3 and verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. I'm cursed, born in sin, guilty, worthy of judgment. But Jesus came, became a man, lived a perfectly sinless life, and then went to the cross so that the father could take Mike's curse and curse his son. Oh, oh! by the way, I'm not alone in this. He did that for you too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, curse removed, but have everlasting Life. Now look at all of Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written. And say the last part of that verse with me. Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. That's where it happened for you and for me. And so the first half again, any sinner was under the curse of death and is under the curse of death. But here's the second part. Any sinner hung on a tree was under the curse of God. For it is written, God said that, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now it's striking to me how Jesus responds to the agony on the cross. Yes or no, was he suffering? Yes. Absolutely. What did he say about that part? Here's what he said, and it is so simple. I thirst. With all the suffering, what did he say? I thirst. What about the shame? He didn't say anything. 
But when it came to the curse, what did he say? He cried out and everybody heard him, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it was at that time that God turned out the lights. It was middle of the day and the heavens became dark. Why? Because God turned his back, not just on his son, but his son who had just been cursed. He could not look on sin, as the Old Testament prophets tell us, so he turned away, and to help everybody understand what was happening, God veiled the sun. He didn't want anybody to miss what was going on. So Jesus became my curse, and that was the worst part of the crucifixion, but he did it for me, he did it for you. What did Christ being accursed accomplish? Let's close by going, please, to Romans chapter 3. Here's what was accomplished. Look down at verse 24, Romans 3 and verse 24. Being justified, and what's the next word? Freely. In other words, you have been declared righteous. You know what God does when he declares you righteous? No curse. Curse is gone. And how did you get that? It was free. You, didn't have, you don't have to work your way to heaven. Join a church, be baptized, do these good things. No, freely justified, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now I want us to focus on the word propitiation in these verses, which means that the wrath of God against sin has been appeased God hates sin how much does God hate sin look at the bloody savior on the cross that's how much he hates sin he hates it so much that he did that to his son so that he might obtain you alright I know it's hard is this sinking in so propitiation means that the wrath of God, the curse on us, it was appeased because of what Jesus did and what he bore in his body on the tree. Jesus became cursed by God to appease his father to remove our curse. It's that simple but profound. The songwriter said, alone, yes, all alone, the Savior died for me. Alone, yes, all alone from sin to set me free. Without a hope, this world was lost in sin and shame until the Savior came to do the Father's will. God's will was for Jesus to become obedient to his curse so that he could take away our curse.
Do you believe, Christian, that you have reason to come to the Lord's table and worship today? We do. Here's another question. Do you think you have reason to take up your cross? You, you say you're a Christian, a disciple of Jesus. Do you think you have reason to take up your cross and follow? I can say with some level of certainty, I don't think there's a cross, a real cross, in most of our futures. Your cross is the will of God, whatever he's told you to be, but I, I'm quite certain it will never be anywhere close to the cross that Jesus bore for us in obedience. And so, as we come to the table today, let's thank our Lord and worship him for his cross. Specifically, Lord Jesus, thank you for taking my curse on yourself. You hung on a tree. Thank you. I love you, I worship you. But then our hearts ought to be, he gave himself as a blood sacrifice, we ought to be a living sacrifice, taking of all our crosses to follow him. Teenagers, you need to be serious about this. Parents of teenagers, you need to be serious about this. Every one of us who names the name of Christ, where we've put our trust in him, he is worthy of our all. Would you surrender that to him today? If there's any way, any area where you're holding out, give it to him. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened. And we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.